procreate human species. It's a desire to have pleasure. And we know that the female God has made to give pleasure. But she's not to give pleasure to somebody who has not earned the right to pleasure by enduring the pain of being a producer. I want you to listen good. A man does not need pleasure if he's doing nothing. You know, recreation, 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 recreation comes after work. Not before work, not in place of work, but recreation comes after work. Solace and comfort and consolation comes after struggle. When God made a man, he made the man to struggle. He made the man to overcome difficulty. He made the man to become a producer. He made the man to multiply, replenish the earth and subdue it. He gave man power and dominion to carry out what God had ordained in the very nature of a man. And if a man does his job, God says, I'm going to give you a woman to help you do your job. But a a woman can't help a man do nothing. A woman got to help a man do something. And if a man is a do-nothing man, He can never keep a woman because a woman is made by nature to be your helper. A man doesn't need help to sit around and do nothing. Are you with me? So, as a man, if you don't have any program, you don't have any aim, You don't have any purpose. You don't have any project that you are working to develop. You don't need a woman. So now, wait. Wait. But your nature makes you to feel, I need a woman. Now, of course, if you're a natural man, your nature make you feel, I need a woman. And a woman is made to feel she needs a man. So we meet. And we are attracted to each other. And we fall in love with each other. And that's wonderful. And then sex follows. 
and then without planning an accident takes place and she says whoops there it is <laughs> Hey, baby, I'm pregnant. I'm pregnant, baby. What you telling me for? You, you know what to do. Now, brothers, when you don't have any money in your pocket and your children are at home crying, how do you feel? When you go home and your wife is working, but you can't find a job. You just graduated from Texas Southern, is it? Texas Christian? Some other college? And you go for a job and they tell you, oh, I'm sorry, you're overqualified for this one. Or, they tell you, I'm sorry, you don't have enough qualifications for this one. But it seems that your wife is qualified to hold any position. Yeah. I notice black women on television sitting next to anchor men, or she's an anchor woman. So they've already fulfilled the requirement. They've hired a minority and a black. Yeah, and a black. And a black. But it's not you. That's right. And since you and I, as a people, have not learned how to create a job, and you know it takes money in this world to live, then the only avenue open for you as a man is either Join the army and be all that you can never be in the society. So that you can be sent all over the world to fight for a democracy that you don't know anything about at home. Or you can be in the neighborhood and I tell you what, you can make a lot of money if you start small and grow big. Here's what I want you to do. Just go around and steal hubcaps. And after you do that, well, break into the car, get the radios. After you do that, well, take the car. Now, you don't have to wait till the people sleep. Just go up to them and say, get out. I got this. And if they open their mouth wide enough, shoot them in it. Just look at the degeneration now. Come on, brothers. I know it's painful to be a black man in America. Real pleasure was never meant to come from a woman. Listen, I'm going to say that again. Real pleasure was never meant to come from a woman. 
women give men pleasure, but real pleasure comes from creative thinking and then seeing what you think come into reality by the work of your hands. That's real pleasure. Reverend Jackson has experienced real pleasure. Yeah. Because this house was an idea in his mind. An architect took it from his mind and put it on paper. He gathered his flock and they went to work and what was an idea became Reality. Reality. Yeah. The word became flesh. Right. So on the day that this house was open, joy, 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 joy that no female could give. Because now this house, this reality from the mind can house thousands now that can be inspired to go out and make a difference in the world. All right, all right. We got a a power call this morning, family. Hey, listen, y'all already know. Go get your men. Send this out to all men. We got Captain Dennis Muhammad on this morning to speak to us about what is a man. And we're going to get some manhood training. And I was I had the privilege of being with Captain Dennis for over, for about a month. We traveled. I think it was on the East Coast going barber shop to barber shop. He said, man, the barber shop. It's almost like the church. <laughs> There's one on every corner. We may not be able to find the men in the barbershop. Uh, I mean, in the church. But boy, we can find them in that barbershop. So I traveled with him and I seen him. Even when he had health problems, get up. And was teaching those brothers, man. Inspiring those brothers. Calling, calling them to responsibility. Now, some of y'all seen the videos yesterday. But for those who didn't. Let me introduce y'all to, 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 to Brother Captain D. Check out. We're going to show you a couple videos. Then everything else is we got to say he's a boy. Because the difference between a man and a boy is that a man runs to responsibility while a boy runs from it. Would you agree with that? Yeah. So the first thing we got to do, now let me tell you something. I'm the man in my house. That my wife, so help me God, her name is not on no bills. I pay all the bills. Let me tell you why. Because I have to pay the cost to be the boss. I don't send my woman down and get on Section 8, go and get on public assistance, going down there, and you can't, you can't be in the house. You can't be on no, 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 no lease. Right. You can't even be on no bills. Right. See, that ain't being a man. So when I say being a man is what makes you a man is that you accept the responsibility of being one. I'm the provider of my home. I'm the maintainer of my home. I'm the protector of my home. I don't make excuses. I can't tell my wife when the mortgage is done, I fall short of my, well, you know, baby, baby, you know, you know, know. no. Grown men don't make excuses. 
so. And here we are talking about making our community decent place, and we start making it too. Well, see, they won't let us. Who won't let us be a man? Why can't we make our community a safe and decent place? Who will tell me what I can't do? That's crazy. <laughs> hey, that's just that's just part one. Hey, if you have shared this out, this Zoom link. With a young man, I want you to put done in the comment section. Come on, y'all. Y'all know we gotta we gotta do some fishing. We gotta do some fishing. If you have shared this video out with a young brother or, or another man. But one thing I learned from Captain D family, he said, All men are males, but all males are are not men. Oh, so, 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 Captain D, we need, we need y'all to send this video out, this Zoom link, so you can hear them this morning to all males. So after this guy willing, we can see if they can be on the process of us becoming men. Here go the second video, family, right here. Check him out. They, they gonna continue to spell with him. Yeah. They yeah. see me. Oh man, I bought that car for. Him. And you wonder why we so tough? Because we let somebody make us think it takes a gangbanger to get a gangbanger. That's BS. It takes a gangbanger to understand a gangbanger, yes. But hell, if you're trying to reform him, you don't get a man who ain't reformed to reform a man. Do that make sense? Take away his ability to see his family as a man. Then you put drugs at the knees by which he's in with these. They not selling drugs. The barbershop is somewhat like the church. We now got one on every corner, right? Right, right. And here's the beautiful thing about the barbershop. These young people who we're trying to talk to, they're not going to the church. They're not in the mob. But if we have to go and talk to them, where do we go? We go to meet them where they at. Yeah, 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 yeah. Y'all, y'all saw young Ben out there. I was a long, young, little young whippersnapper. Here, here, now. I know y'all done seen him. Oh, there he go. There he go. I know y'all done seen him when you seen the Million Man March. See? That was Captain D right there with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. This is who we have speaking to us about what is a man. What's a real man in manhood training this morning? We're going to share one more video, and then we're going to introduce Brother Captain Dennis. We're coming all the black men here in Fayetteville like we're doing around the country. We're looking at the black man and woman is under attack. What are we going to do, man? Sit around, look at the faces. Social media says, damn shame how they took that sister in, 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 in Waffle House and beat her down and showed her back. It's a shame how they showed how the white boy took and shot our man seven times. It's a shame. It's a shame. It's a shame. Is that all we going to do? Hide behind a damn chair. Hide behind a mosque and a roster. But we'll go out there and face these damn devils who's killing our young people. Because what? We ain't got no nuts no more. We call ourselves men. Cowards. Too damn scared to put your life on the line for your women and children. And that's why the white men are coming out here and do any damn thing to us. Because we allow it. But that's over with. And then we calling all men out. If you're going to be a man, be a man. If you're going to be a punk, then get the hell away from us. Shit, that's what time it is. <laughs> and, 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 and I'm going to stand on that. Okay. And they can get in my DM. You can get in my DM all you want every day.
Hey man, that's Captain Dennis. So brother Captain D, are you ready? You got your you got your camera? Oh man, we in for a treat. We in for a treat this morning. Let's see if I can uh we're gonna share our screen. We're gonna share our screen and see if we can get Captain D to come on down for this manhood training. Go ahead, Captain D. You should be able to uh unmute yourself. And before we get started, family. First, assalamu alaikum if I didn't say that. In the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful, I bear witness there is no God but Allah. And Muhammad is his messenger. Again, with the greeting words of peace, assalamu alaikum. This is our power call, your power call. If you would like to come on here directly, family, go to www.thepowercall.net. If you, if you listen to one of the streams, it'll take you directly to the Zoom call. And the passcode is power. If... You are watching on Zoom and you uh, would like to ask some questions. I think Captain D is going to be available for questions. And we always like to hear your feedback at the end as well. So make sure that you all are taking notes. But we're not going to waste no more time. I see Captain D is on the camera and off the mic. Assalamu alaikum, Captain D. You can take it from here. We can't We can't hear you. Oh, man. Uh. I see you off the mic, but we're not seeing no volume come through. Hmm. Try to. Uh... Yeah, I see you off the mic, but your, your volume wasn't coming through. Yeah, he was unmuted. Mm-mm. No, we can't hear you. Maybe try to maybe try to go out. And come back in because it doesn't look like the audio is coming through. And if that doesn't work, we may have to bring you in through another device. But uh, your audio is not coming through. Yep, we can't hear you. No, that's not his volume. It's, it's it, it does that sometimes. They'll be off the mic and then it's like no audio coming through. So he might have to come in from a different device or... So in the meantime, we're gonna wait till he get that together. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna. That's what happens, fam. That's all right. We're gonna put, we're gonna, we're gonna pivot. This give us a little bit more time to invite some more people on. Long as you, as a man, lay down at night yeah. and dream about your greatness, yeah. but you are never able to manifest how great. You are. Yeah. Then the pain of being non-productive makes you seek pleasure that keeps you non-productive. Yeah, non-productive. Look at it. Look at it. Look at it, brothers. Each one of you is in pain. As a black man in white America, we're in pain, brothers. In pain. We live with constant pain. Mm. Nobody knows our pain but God yeah. and us. Yeah. When you wake up in the morning and you look in the mirror and you know deep down inside you are as great yeah. 
as any man of greatness that you've heard about, read about, or seen in real life. You know you are as great as any one of them possibly greater. But there's no avenue of opportunity to allow you to demonstrate. All right, let's see. All right, Captain D, try to come off the camera. I mean, come come off the mic now. Let's see if it works. Let's see if it's working now. Oh wait, I gotta probably make him a co-host. Okay, try try to do it now. Okay, so the the video is working. But the audio still not working. Man. Um try to come in maybe from your so if you're using a computer, maybe try to come in from your phone. Click that link directly on your phone and let's see if that works. That message that I sent you, if you come in right from your phone, that should work. All right, while he's doing that, let's turn the minister back on. Your individual greatness, then this breeds frustration. It breeds bitterness. It breeds envy. Did it come through? I thought I heard him. Oh, no, that was this brother right here. All right. So y'all be y'all be on a look lookout team for Captain D coming in from another device. Uh, hopefully it'll say. Okay, yep. I see Dennis Muhammad. Let me try this. Let me do co-host. Okay, now try to come off mute now. How we sound? There we go. There we go. Now just lead that other one. Okay, all right. Let me. How we sounding now? Sounding perfect. There we go. You got your camera on that one? Let me see. There, there it we is. Go. Yep, we're going to have to do it like that. There we go. <laughs> Brother's gonna work it out. Brother's gonna work it out. There we go. The floor is yours, Captain D. Oh, brother. First and foremost, in the name of Allah, the beneficent, the merciful God, we give him honor, we give him praise. We thank him so much. For giving us the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and the honorable Minister Farrakhan as a guide. We thank them both to allow us to be in the class where we are 
taught how to be men, but in reality, we're taught how to be gods. It's in their great name, I'm so honored to greet you in the greeting words of peace. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu. Brother Ben, you showed those videos of me and I was trying to figure out who was that guy that was in those videos. <laughs> I was honored to have you with me, Brother Ben. And they don't even know it was you that took the video. And uh, I remember that tour. And uh, man, I enjoyed you. You a uh, couple of times had to represent me. I was, I had some health challenges. But God blessed you, Ben, to, to be a great representative of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and Minister Farrakhan. And I want you to know, brother, that we are so proud of you. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. You have done more, Ben, in propagating the word of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad through his servant, Minister Farrakhan, through these great videos. And I'm telling you, you have inspired if not thousands, but hundreds of thousands of young people to come and get up under that great man's leadership is because of you, Brother Ben. And we salute you and we applaud you, my dear brother. You asked me to come on to share manhood training. As I listen to the minister, oh, do I love that man. To have been honored, Brother Ben, to get with the Honorable Minister Farrakhan in 1978. I remember to go to his home on Damien, me, and two other brothers, matter of fact, the local minister here in Columbus, Donnell, and a brother by the name of Lance. We visit the Honorable Minister Farrakhan in his home. It was in the month of December of 1978. It was kind of strange because the minister was observing Ramadan. And Ramadan, of course, was observed under the honor of Elijah Muhammad in the month of December. The Islamic world had a problem with that. But the wisdom of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad was that not only was it the shortest days, December, but the honorable Elijah Muhammad had a task. And that task was to take us away from a holiday that was false. To take us away from Christmas. Because it was during that holiday that was supposed to be the celebration, of course, the birth of Jesus or the birth of Christ. But we know that 
the month of December, as it was practiced in the black community, was pretty much the most depressing month in the whole year. We struggling, man, to, to get toys for our children. We're struggling to justify this white man coming down the chimney and leaving toys for our children. We're struggling to not to pay bills. So the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, no. Let us focus our mind through fasting on God. And that's how many of us got away from the Christmas celebration or Ramadan during the month of December. So when we went to the minister's home, he was not drinking coffee. So he asked us, he said, brothers, um, would you like something to drink? A cup of coffee or something? He said, yes, sir. That's when he said, well, brothers, I'm not drinking. I'm observing Ramadan. And we have got away from the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad following the imam. And so, therefore, it was kind of strange. So, we said, uh, wow, in my mind, he gone back to the teachings. But it was there, uh, Brother Ben, that we made our declaration. I did. And he asked us, he said, brothers, would you help me to rebuild the work of our father, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, would you help me to rebuild the nation of Islam? Now, this is 1978. The imam have took over in 75, and all of the things that we used to do in the nation, there was no FYI class no more. We were not forbidding training, but training did not exist no more. The beautiful FOI uniform, Brother Ben, that we wear now. The brothers was working on their cars with it. And it, oh my God. So when the minister asked the question, I said, yes, sir, Brother Minister. And I thank Almighty God Allah that I have made my word bond. I have been with the leader every since of 1978 and I'm still with the leader and I'm still helping the minister despite many of my health challenges. I just wanted quickly before I get started, if you don't mind, Ben, many may not know that April the 19th, I went to Cleveland Clinic to get a back surgery. A simple back surgery, I thought it was. It really was my second back surgery. In the operating room, as they was prepping me for surgery, the anesthesiologist came into the operating room late. The doctor was kind of upset because he was ready to get started on my back. And I'm laying in this bed, and they haven't transferred me to the, the side of the doctor because the bed they want to put me in was a bed that would be on my stomach so that the doctor could go in my back. So he was ready, but he kept saying, well, 
do you have Mr. Mighty under yet? So the assistant anesthesiologist was on top of me and he had this thing. He says, well, doctor, uh, the, the, the anesthesiologist, doctor, haven't got it yet. He's the only one to go put him under. So the doctor says, where's he at? And I'm looking up my like, yeah. He come busting in the room. He was late. I'm laying there, you know, they got the IV. And uh, and in the IV, I had um, seen him, he had three needles. So he went to shoot one needle in the IV, and I said, oh, <laughs> I'm getting ready to go under now, baby. But I don't feel nothing. He shoot the second needle, and now I'm getting a little fuzzy, you know I said, oh, I'm going to fuzz out. And in my mind, I said, the next time I wake up, the surgery will have been done. Because that's how it always happened. But then as soon as this man shot me with the second needle, I wasn't completely out. All I can remember is he's stuffing this breathing tube down my throat. I said, now that's that's not normal. Something's wrong. I'm not supposed to feel the breathing tube going down my throat. I'm supposed to be out. He was so busy trying to place it that he blocked my whole trach. And I wasn't getting no air. Now I'm paralyzed. I can't say nothing because the medicine, they paralyzed me. They got my eyes shut. I can't move, and then I'm saying, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. But they can't hear me, man. I'm saying to myself, something's wrong. And he studied like trying to put it, I don't know what he's trying to do. All I know when he stuck it down my throat, he blocked the only avenue by which I can get air. And I remember, brother, Taking my last breath. I remember it. I said, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And when I took that last breath, man, it looked like a roll, a cloud of darkness was rolling in on me. And when I took that last breath, my brother, I said, oh, Allah, Master Farad Muhammad, I'm out of here. And my heart stopped. I died. Six minutes. They went to work to get a pause. I didn't even know I died. There was an old Asian lady. Oh, God bless her. I don't know her name. When I was in the OR, I was cold. And she said, sir, you cold? I said, yes, ma'am. And she went and got me a warm blanket. And she said, oh, it's cold in here. She said, don't worry, it'll be over soon. It was that same little Asian lady they told me. That as soon as my heart stopped, that Asian lady jumped on top of me. And they said that woman went to apply CPR until she broke out in a sweat. The other anesthesiologist had to relieve her.
That woman was not going to stop until she got a heartbeat. The doctor was getting ready to call it. Oh, brothers. See, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, I have to wear these glasses because I can't tell this story, man. And don't be touched. That woman worked hard. But Allah, Master Farah Muhammad came in seven minutes and got me. I didn't even know I died. The doctor had to go out there in the waiting room and tell my wife, who was waiting on me to get this surgery, I'm sorry, ma'am. Your husband flatlined. His heart stopped. She already knew that they wanted to kill me because I told my wife two weeks prior, I said, baby, if anything happens to me, don't believe them. They killed me, sweetheart. I told her that two weeks ago. And sure enough, that's what he came and said. But the Holy Quran says these words, Brother Ben, you thought that you killed the Messiah. Nay, you killed him not. We have brought him up into ourselves. When that doggone man said that nurse, shocking, because they thought I was brain dead once they got a heartbeat. And I never forget, they had something on my arm. Now I'm in this coma, I'm in this, just this state of animation. And the shock, it was like lightning. I said, oh, and it felt like my arm was on fire. I could hear them. The nurse said, he didn't respond, doc. He said, shock him again. And he hit me again. I said, oh, y'all, my arm on fire. When I couldn't move my body, I'm praying to Allah. I said, please, let me move a finger, Allah. Let me move a foot. Move nothing. Next thing I know, I was able to shake my head. I said, okay, I can shake my head. I said, maybe. I can hear him say, Mr. Marty, Mr. Marty. I seen one doctor, he just opened up my eyeball. I'm looking at him. He's shining the light with his pupils. I'm looking at you. I start shaking my head. I'm here, I'm here, y'all. And you know what the nurse said? Doctor, he's having a seizure. I said, oh, snap, I'm not having no seizure. Oh, the neurologist. So I stopped shaking my head. Oh, I was in a bad place. Now I'm a little confused, Ben. I don't know if I had the surgery. They're trying to bring me out of recovery. I don't know if they're getting me ready to go put me on that table and cut my back open. Even as I'm conscious, I'm confused. They finally get me and rush me. They tell my wife, they rushing me to the ICU unit, which is a sign I'm not dead. But she thought I was, she thought I was dead. And they got me in the ICU unit and the doctor tells her, the doctor over the unit, well, ma'am, it don't look good. Uh, you know, we got him in the coma, and we're going to keep the breathing too. She said, what happened? What happened to my husband? Well, he had a bronchial spasm. We believe it's asthma. And, you know, many things like this happened. 
She said, why don't you take the tube out my husband's throat? Because I've always told my wife, I always believe it's the breathing tube that's killing us. She said, please, sir, take the tube out my husband's throat. Oh, I thank Master Farad Muhammad that that doctor listened to my wife. He came back, and that man pulled that tube out of my throat, and I could feel it because I'm helping him. I'm spitting it out. And soon as he pulled the tube out of my throat, I sit up. He was excited. He told me, squeeze my hand, squeeze my hand. I squeezed his hand. He ran outdoors, and he told my wife, we got him. He's revived. She's excited. He's excited. They're running back. But he tells her right before she comes into my room, well, you know, he's been without oxygen for six minutes. Now, we don't know. He may be brain dead. He may not know who you are. So she said, okay. So when she come in the room, I'm sitting up. I'm a little confused. I'm looking at people, bear. She said, honey, do you know who I am? I said, yeah, you're my wife. And the whole hospital cheered. I said, baby, how did the operation go? She said, you died. I said, what? They never completed the operation. You died on the table. And I felt my chest there. And my chest then was so sore. And that's when the anesthesiologist, the assistant said, you know the little Asian lady? She was pushing on. She didn't break no ribs now. Praise be to Allah. She didn't break no ribs. But she relocated my heart. No, that's what heart ain't in the same she put. I thank Allah. That woman was an angel. I'm happy that it happened before I got over on that other table. Imagine if I were a flat line on my stomach and my back was wide open. How could they apply CPR? Lord God, I'm telling you, believers, I am no longer a believer in God. I'm a knower in God. You may want to ask Brother Dennis, what was it like? I can't lie to you, Muslims. I didn't see no light. I didn't hear my mother. I didn't hear no, no, no bells. And as Muslims think, you get seventy virgins. Wasn't no seventy virgins waiting on Brother Dennis. What did that? Maybe a couple strippers waiting on me, but wasn't no seventy virgins. <laughs> but nevertheless, I'm here, Brother Ben. Allah has. A plan for me, and I believe that. I'm here to testify that not only do we need our own hospitals, but I sincerely believe, Brother Ben, that's how they taking out Minister Farrakhan top ladies. I'm gonna say this. I just don't believe that. Brother Jabril just died. I just, I'm sorry. Some people may be upset with that. They may be upset with that. But he is so 
important to the minister. That his importance in putting him in that devil hospital is something that we really want to be very conscious of. Now, that's my opinion. That's just my opinion, family. I'm that kind of dude that stay paranoid. I don't believe Sister Ava just died. I don't believe Brother Hafiz just died. I don't believe Brother uh, 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 Captain Shack. I'm sorry. Now, my paranoia is the reason why I think we need our own hospitals. That's that's me. We need our own hospitals. We can't take top labors, a minister Farrakhan, and put them in the hands of our enemy. What it looked like the Supreme Captain Mustafa going to a hospital. We had to keep a team of Muslim doctors around him. But it looked like Mother Khadijah, the leader, Brother B.I., any one of us, even you, Brother Ben, what it looked like we take men like you and have you in the hospitals. You think the enemy will let you come out of life. The word hospital. I'm going to say something to you. We can get to our training. If, if you please indulge me, please indulge me, please indulge me. The word hospital comes from the root word hospice. Hospice. Brothers and sisters, if you ever had a loved one in the hospital and they have did all they could to try to sustain their life and they can't, what do they send them to? Hospice. When you go to a hospice, the word hospice means, look what the word hospice means. <laughs> Unto death. Oh my God. Care unto death. Meaning, this means you don't come out alive. That's it. How did the word hospital get the word hospice? The hospital is designed to make you well, but it's not designed to heal you. Oh man, I believe y'all heard me. It's to make you well, but not to heal you. Because that's why we keep coming back. It's eventually we die. Have you noticed? Rich people, they don't die in the hospital. Rich people always die in their home, surrounded by their loved ones. Y'all notice that? That's the way I want to No hospital around some machines? You get the call from the doctor and said, well, we sorry he succumbed to his injury. Nobody around you that loved you. There was once upon a time COVID would not even allow you to be in the same room. Allah is the one that give life. When we allow the enemy to put that breathing tube down our throat, he controls our airway. 
And all he has to do is stop it. You don't know. And as soon as you stop breathing automatically, the heart stopped. And then what they said, he had a cardiac arrest. All oh, these wicked people. If you got to go to the doctor, tell them to put a trach in your lung right here. Let them put the trach right here. Don't let them stop your whole mouth and block it. Right here, your trach. And they can make you breathe from here. That's what I would suggest. Well, I'm not a doctor. But Allah put it on my heart. I'm going to do everything within my power for us to get our own hospitals. Now, we have a lot of urgent cares. But we need to care urgently for our people. So we want care of urgently centers for our people and then the hospitals. All right, y'all. I'm sorry. I, I, I know uh, that ain't what you called me to be on for, and I'm going to get to my subject. Thank you, Brother Wesley. Thank you. I'm glad uh, I don't want to molest y'all's time. Brother Ben played a beautiful tape and lecture of the leader. An election of leader was dealing with love, with love. What is Brother Dennis known for? My history has been known. I trained fruit of Islam. I'm a captain emeritus. And for over 45 years around the country, I've trained many, many, many men. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, it is the captain that make Muslims. I didn't understand it once upon a time. The ministers convert them, but the captain makes them Muslims. How is this? Because the captain take the men and we send them through a training bin that prepared them for the mission to rule. Why then the first of our lessons, the first of our student enrollment, the first of our student enrollment, before we get anything, it answers the question, who is the original man? The original man is the Asiatic black man, maker, owner, cream of the planet Earth, God of the universe. Can't even talk about number two. Let's talk about number two. Condition of our community, Ben. You've traveled all around this country. He was in Philadelphia. He was in Atlantic City. He was in New York City. The condition of the black community is terrible. How could our community be in this condition? The black 
that our community is in this condition is because the men. You said it, Ben. Our males are not men, but all men are males. What makes the training of the fruit of Islam so attractive? Look at our women. If we got to build the black community, Ben, where was we start? We must start in the name. We got to start. That's where the enemy came in. That's where he destroyed us. He destroyed us. In that one video. Because the honor of Elijah Muhammad, he gave us five principles of what a man is. You need to know that. You need to know what the five principles of a man. Because you're not these men based upon these five principles. You know how you can a man? Oh, he's cute. He's got baby hair. He's bow-legged. Look at the dimples. You've chosen a man based upon that. Let me tell you what a man is according to what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us. A man is the provider. Write it down. A man is a protector. Write it down. A man is a maintainer. Write it down. A man is a sustainer. Write it down. A man is responsible. Write it down. And what did I just say? Provider, protector, maintainer, sustainer, responsible. I'm going to say it again. Sisters, this is for you. So when you choose a man, you want to make sure he's a provider. All right? Sisters, when you choose a man, you want to make sure he's a protector. Right? Sister, when you choose a man, you want to make sure that he's a maintainer, right? Sister, when you choose a man, the key is you want to make sure that he is a sustainer. Look at this. Look at the words sustain. Now, you cannot maintain. Oh, man, we didn't really go there. We're going there. We're going there. You can't maintain which you can't sustain. I'm going to say that again. You can't maintain what you don't sustain. To be able to sustain a thing, you have to uphold it. You have to be able to keep it. When you uphold the lifestyle, that you provide for the woman. When you uphold that lifestyle, and that lifestyle have to be consistent. Listen, brothers, now you got to maintain that lifestyle. Ooh, I need maintenance. That you can't 
maintain what you can say to my brothers. How we can't sustain our home? How come we can't control our home? How come we can't uphold our home? Because the man who provided for you your income is your enemy. And he take away your ability to provide. So you can't sustain your home. You can't sustain your mortgage. You can't sustain your rent. You're constantly looking for employment. So how can you maintain a home when you don't have the means to sustain it? That's what the leader would say. God can't help you to be missing. So when I did my video, see, I'm a provider. But how, Brother Dennis, are you able to sustain your home? I work for me. Get a check from him. I train men. I train law enforcement. These are peacekeeper organizations. These are the forces that allow me to be able to sustain a nice income for my family. Now I can maintain my family. Now I can provide for my family. Now I can protect my family. Now I'm responsible to my family. So how are you going to go to a woman, brother? And you can't abide. So if I give advice, the advice I want to give is, you've got to become a sustainer. Well, how do you do that, brother Dennis? You have to be able to become self-sufficient. The nation of Islam have many avenues of self-sufficiency. And my brother Ben, my brother Ben is self-sufficient. And because Ben is self-sufficient, he's able to maintain his livelihood. He's able to maintain his home. And being a maintainer of his home, and now, he protects what he maintained and then is a responsible man. Today, today, I want to share with you, to your sisters and to your brothers, there is a difficulty of how we relate to our women. We have allowed TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and all these social medias pervert, listen to my word, pervert our relationship to each other. It has even perverted the definition of a man. To put 10 brothers in the room and ask them the definition of a man and they all would be different but there's one thing they all would say that's the, that we agree upon, responsibility. Because a boy runs from responsibility while a man runs to responsibility. So how could we ever introduce you as a man to a woman when you've never been in a position of responsibility? 
You brothers come out the institution, okay? You've been in the institution 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, okay? Are you a man? No, sir. That means to take nothing away from you. Because you're judging manhood based upon the physical uh, reality. How you can knock somebody out and how, how well you can go down, stand, all that. I'm sorry. So you come out an institution, never been in a position to know what it's like to maintain something, sustain something, provide something, protect something, and be responsible to it. So you got to sell. You in the sell your, 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 your stuff. You in there protecting what belong to you. So even when you come out to institution, you got to be taught how to be a man if you want one of these sisters out here. Because coming out the institution with that understanding how, how you work out on the yard and how much iron you can pump, man, you matter forget about all that. So we in the nation of Islam send you for training. So you want one of our sisters. No captain is going to ever introduce an FY to one of our sisters who don't have a job. That's a no, no. No captain's going to introduce a brother to a sister who have no history of maintaining nothing. And all you maintaining, all you got, you in your mama's basement, 40 years old. The only thing that you maintaining and providing is a pit bull, throwbacks, shirts, and some sneakers. And that's all you got. And you want to go and get one of these queens. Get out of here. We can no longer do that. We have to vet you and make you qualify. And let me say this, sister. He may not be able to meet all five because he can't meet all five principles. Do you throw him away? No. No. But what are the, if we had to take one away, what are the other four that's very important? Most certainly, he has to be a protector. That's very important. He has to be a provider. That's real important. He has to be responsible. Oh, yeah, that's important. And he has to be a maintainer. Now, what are you saying, Captain? That's sustainer. We got to work with that one. We don't want the sustainer to be a deal breaker. Well, man, I mean, we, he need to, you said be sustained. Okay. No, but we're not going to let that be a deal breaker. Because sustainer only means he needs to put himself in the position to be able to sustain his livelihood. Keep it going. Keep it into existence. Hold it. When we can only do that again, only do that if you become self-sufficient. That's the goal to become self-sufficient. We got many means by which to become self-sufficient. Open up your own business. Get your food truck. Whatever becomes self 
how you can maintain the livelihood that you want to give that queen. We have to learn. You don't render your power to the devil, brothers. You're trying to take the easy way out. You send her downtown to get on Section 8, knowing that there's benefits for her, but not you. They did not create the benefits for a grown, grown ass man. They created the benefits for a woman. So you send her down there. Stick it on Section 8. But you ain't allowed in the house. Your name can't even be on the mortgage or the lease. You damn sure can't have no names, no bills in your name, but you live there. You paying a little something to help put food on the table. Maybe you put a little, you know, a little money to help fix the place up. And what happened? An argument break up. She has to call the police. You try to tell the police, well, I live here. She said, uh-uh. No, I live here. See all my clothes in the closet? So the police said, sir, can you provide us a bill in your name? <laughs> well, no. Sir, do you, is your name on the lease? <laughs> no. If anything can show us that you capable of anything, uh, uh, uh. No, you can see my clothes here. Well, sir, with all due respect, you're going to have to leave. You see what I'm saying? Now, this is what's going on. So what is the end game? Where do we want to go? Where do we want to do? We have to first, first, if we're going to clean up our communities, we're going to have to reestablish the relationship between the male and female. We got to do it. Dear brothers, the reason why we having problems with our women is because you don't know her nature. When you listen to the Honorable Minister Fabrica, he's teaching you the nature of a woman. That's like having a Mercedes-Benz car and you take it to the Chevrolet dealer and you wonder why he don't know how to make it work. The bins. You got to take the car to the creator, the bins. Because there's things that that bins does that that Chevrolet guy don't know nothing about. God made that woman second to himself. He don't even know where all the buttons at, brother. You got a woman don't even know where all the buttons at. You know how you get that new car, you got that manual, and it's a, oh, wait a minute, what's this like? down there pushing all them little buttons <laughs> and you know what I'm talking about you're trying to satisfy the woman downstairs get out of here man do you know what gratification is the greatest gratification is not sexual gratification you fool the greatest gratification it's when you can really bring out of that woman's mind peace and That woman wants peace, man. She gives you heaven. 
when you give her peace. She loved for the black man to be in charge. She ain't trying to be in charge. She loved you being in charge if you know what you're doing. But today, she is so disappointed with us that she got things she don't really need us. Oh, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. Lord, they got tools out there. Lord, have mercy, brother. Sexual. What God given us look like child play to the things they made for her. You don't have to give her sexual gratification because she got a machine out there that can take her where you could never take her because your face was not designed to do that. So you're going to try to please her like that? Get out of here. But God gave us something that can take us somewhere she ain't never been here. When you take, that's why women like spiritual men. Women love spiritual men because spiritual men open up doors of spirituality to God. That's the truth. She loves you when you talk about God. Let me say this about the word love that the minister talked about. Oh, I loved it, Ben. I loved it. The Bible said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Ooh. I'm going to say that again. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. What kind of heart do you have? What dwells in your heart? You can't see what's in the heart. I don't care how you try. If you got hate in your heart, it would make manifest in your actions. Huh? I'm going to say that again. If you got hate in your heart, it would make manifest in your actions. But if you got lust, if you got love in your heart, it also would make manifest your actions. But there's so much love out there. Go look at the dictionary. You see so many definitions of love. Oh, the minister said it beautifully. See, this world has perverted love. Sisters, you don't know what real love is. Brothers, you don't know what real love is. Do you know, brothers and sisters, it is good that produces love. Don't produce good. Oh, I know you have a problem with that. I want you to want that to sink in. I'm going to say that again. Good produces love. Love don't produce good. The minister talked about the good shepherd. The good shepherd. Why do we love the minister? Why? Because he's good to us, right? Why do we love Allah? Because Allah is good to us, right? You can't love something that is not good to you. Come on, sisters. 
You have been in a relationship with Negroes to say they love you, but wasn't good to you. We all been in relationship with people say they love us, but cheat on you, lie to you, rob you. You want to love somebody that you cheat on. You want to love somebody you abuse. How you want to love somebody that you mistreat? No. You don't mistreat somebody that you good to when you good to somebody. You don't have to worry about love. Brother Ben is a good man. And because Brother Ben is a good brother, you deserve your respect and then your respect turning to love. And then Ben said, I love me some Ben. Why do you love Ben? He's a good brother. Why you love Brother Dennis? He's a good brother. Some judges about the love thing because love is fickle. Judge us based on how good we are. Look what the Holy Quran says about good. You'll find the word good in the Holy Quran more than you find the word love. And when you look in the Holy Quran, the only word you find love to is against Allah. It's never passed to the people. Because God is true love. Because God is one who judges us on our evil and our good. He don't judge you on your love and hate. But you know God will judge you on your love and hate. He don't do that. God judge you on your evil and your good. So the Holy Quran says, Oh, ye who believe and do good. Uh-oh. There is no fear, nor shall you grieve. Oh, you who believe and do good. You are the successful ones. I don't want you to love me. Be good to me. Be a good Muslim. Don't lie to me. Don't take advantage of me. Help me in a time of need. And don't do it with asking anything in return. Good brother. Look at the word good, y'all. G-O-O-D. Let's take the O out of good. All right? We're going to take the O out of the good, put it together. What do you have? God. Now, what is the O? If I wrote you a check with nothing but O's, what have I done? I've given you nothing. I've given you nothing. That's us. The O is us. We're nothing without God. But take us and put us next beside God. When you take us and put us next beside God, now we become something. We become good. We become good to God and God becomes good to us. Oh, I just hope y'all feel what I'm saying. In the nation of Islam, Muslims, Christians, practice good. 
Be good to your fellow man. Get away from the fact they may be white. Get away from the fact they may be black. Get away from the fact they may be gay. Get away from the fact they may be woman or elder. Get away from that. I love it all, colors. If we're going to help God to build a universal kingdom of peace on earth, then you and I have to rise above those isms and see people for who they are and what they are. See them as human beings. We have to grow to that. We have to grow to see each other as human beings. Then we won't have that color problem. This white man had contaminated us in our perception of each other. It don't give you superiority. It doesn't make you superior. You know why violence is attractive? Because we have not created an environment of peace that's more attractive. So I say to you, black man, I'm calling you out. I'm calling you out to duty. We drafting you today. 
I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. We're no longer going to let you stand by and watch the enemy beat our women. You don't do nothing but take a picture. That day is over with. We're no longer going to let you stand by and take a video while the police beat and kill our young people and you don't do nothing. That's over with. The day of the coward is over with. We're taught in military that a coward dies a death a thousand times, but a hero died one time. You're going to die anyway. I died. Yes, I did. I died. And Allah took away the fear for me dying because now I know what they expect. See, death ain't got no memory. When you're dead, you're dead. God do not entertain us in death, family. So stop every time you have a loved one that dies. You got the habit of saying they're in a better place. Maybe not in no better place. Death is never a better place than God. Life is a better place. I would say death is a better place than life. Allah don't work in death. Allah work in life. He put that on my heart to tell you that. So I lose a loved one. Well, I lost a loved one. They are signed back to where they come from. Darkness is where we come from. Darkness is where we return. Darkness is the cycle of life. Oh, me, y'all hearing me. Darkness is the cycle of life. You know why? Because from darkness come light. Oh, I just wish I had an amen, church. Amen. Family, we got a big job. We have to build our communities and we're going to apply the five principles, Ben. We're going to be providers. We're going to be protectors. We're going to be maintainers and sustainers, and we're going to accept the responsibility to build the kingdom of God on earth. That is a lot. That is what we're supposed to do. God put that on our shoulders. If we don't do that, then we all die. The minister never shirked from the responsibility of building the nation of Islam. He went around darkness. Well, how could I be with such a great man? And I can't get the city I live up, live in up. Can't get the region up. So we're going to have more barbershop talks, Ben. Remember we had a conversation? I'd like to see us get one of those. Remember we talked about one of those sport bills? Me and your picture. And we traveling. Having all men's only men signing the men up. As we sign the men up, then we put the men on patrol of the community. We can do this. We can do this, Ben. We can change the dynamics. Have the mothers send their children to our similar training. How you doing, Mr. Mommy? My son's six years old. He's, he stay up on us women all the time. I'm, I'm scared. I like to put him in the similar train. Bring him. Give him to us. Let us take that young man and teach him how to be a young man at an early age. We have to do this. 
This is what the enemy fears. He don't fear talk, man. We talk all day long. He don't mind that. But when we cut down Facebook and TikTok and we're not talking no more, he don't know what's going on because folks always like to tell their business. You know we like to tell our business. You always want to tell people what you eating. Let me show you what I mean. Ain't nothing that you don't hide from the devil. He know every day I'm going to think about you with your nosy self. Get out these social media thinking they're going to be able to guide you. They guiding you straight to hell. Let's go and start building a community. So we start at the home, sisters. We must have male and female dialogue. I like what my brother, Minister Nuri, doing. Beautiful teaching marriage. But he got that part. My job is to get the man prepared for marriage. I don't want I don't want Minister Nuri married uh, uh, in significant or incompetent males that try to perpetrate as a man, as a man to a beautiful sister. So I'm trying to give Brother Minister Nuri a country of army of men to pick from. So our women would have a good choice. And let me tell you something, sisters. Never drop your standard. Never drop your standard because you ain't found a man. Never drop your standard. Just be patient. You ever went by a store window and you see that beautiful dress? Versace dress. You look at the price. Ooh, $1,000. You look at it in the window. And then six months later, it's not in the window no more. And six months later, you go down to the bottom basement sales. And there, that $1,000 Versace dress has been reduced to $200. You can't believe it. How is something that was a thousand reduced down to two hundred dollars? Because we call it supply and demand. That was for it at that price. And when you don't have a demand for something, and you got more supplies than the demand, everybody know you dropped the price. If we have more women than men, seven women to every man. We got more women than men, so we got more supply than we have a demand. So what happens when you have more women than men? You lower the standard. You drop the price. You ain't no doggone bottom basement good. You that showpiece. Don't you get reduced from your sister to accepting anything? Because you want to be loved and need somebody to take care of you. Get out of here with that. Keep your virtue. Promise you. I promise you in the name of Allah. I'm going to make men worthy for you if you patient. I promise you on everything I love. Just be patient. He may be not half the five, 
I can get you the four. Oh, but if you can get that five star, oh, Lord, Lord, you get that five star. Let me tell you when you become that five star soldier, you can smell the food cooking coming down the street. Oh, you five star soldiers. When you walk in the house, you don't smell no pine saw or Clorox. You smell that good bean soup. You smell that good fried chicken. You smell that baked salmon. The table is ready for you. You ain't got to ask when I'm going to eat. It's automatic. Soon as you walk in the door, she got you tied. You wash your hands and you thank Allah and you sit at the head of the table like the man you're supposed to be. You got your children around you. Who thinks he served first? You, because you the God. I sit at the table of the Honorable Minister Louis Farquhar. I'm telling you what I know. The minister gets served first. Why? He's the provider. You sisters sometimes think you're able to feed your babies over your man. Well, you can feed them if he ain't doing nothing. But if he's one of them five stars, don't you do that. See, my father was a five-star. When my dad came in, it was 13 of us, eight at one time. When my dad came in, listen to me. My mother would not feed us until my father got home. Have you ever seen eight hungry kids waiting for dad to pull up? I mean, we was hungry and long wolfing y'all. Soon as we heard my pops truck, cause my pops was self-sufficient. Man, we start skipping around the house because we know it's time to eat. Oh, dad come in. Had him load out, help him untie them good work boots. He had his newspaper, go wash his hands. You could smell the earth on him. He sit at the table. We all sitting around the table. Here come my mother. She ain't putting no plate in front of my dad. Oh, no, sir. My mother put a platter. The turkey platter. She got the turkey platter. She put the turkey platter in front of my father with food. Man, he got steam coming off his chicken. His chicken looked more crisp. He got butter biscuits. You can see the butter melting on the biscuits. He got a big mayo jar. You know why we used to use the mayo jar. It was glasses for us. Full of ice cubes and Kool-Aid. I used to look at my father's plate. And when I look with the plate, my mother gave us old chicken necks, old backs. One biscuit with no butter. One ice cube, it melts real fast. I said, man, I can't wait. <laughs> to be the man that's why Captain Dennis is the man I am today because of my father I don't take no shorts when I say my wife don't got no bills that's the truth she don't even go to the post office I handle mine because the minister the honorable minister Farcon, he taught us that way
Give us the time, my sisters. Brothers, you got to get back to that training class, not just in the FY class. We are so behind, it just can't be FY class no more. We have to have cultural refinement centers. We have to have other avenues of training. We must train in a barbershop. We must train, 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 train. There's no such thing as enough training. We got to stop the devil from coming in our community to beat our people down. When the police pull up in our community, he should see a cadre of a wall, a black man patrolling in the neighborhood. We should be able to say to the officer, thank you, Mr. Officer Friendly, but we got this. We got this. In order for us to invite our young men out of hell, we got to build them a heaven. We're going to do this. Point number 12, the last paragraph. It said, Father Lassie, there's no God but Allah. And he, look at it, and he will establish a universal government of peace where we all live in peace together. Oh, y'all didn't read that part. Where we all, who's the all? Who's the all? Where we all, all of humanity, where all of humanity will live in peace together. That is called the kingdom of God. Thank you so much. If anybody have any questions, may Allah peace and goodness go with you, Ben, and this very beautiful audience and all the peacekeepers. My name is Captain Dennis, and I'm present for peace. Hey. Praise be to Allah. Uh, I told you we was going to be in for a treat. All right, if you got a question, go ahead and raise your hand. Put, uh, put your hand up on the Zoom. You got Captain D. And before you raise your hand, y'all know how we do when we got a guest on a power call. His cash app is dollar sign, C-A-P-T. So Captain D-P-K, Brother Wesley, if you can put it in the comment section for us. Dollar sign, C-A-P-T, D-P-K. He gave us his time this morning. He accepted the call. I mean, he's given us our culture refinement. He's talked to the men. He's talked to the women. He's talked about the tradition. Oh, man, let's bless him uh, with, with some donations, family, so that he can uh, uh, take care of his family, continue to be a man, because we done took two hours of his time. He done been the provider for us this morning. So let's, let's put some, some chicken on the table for him and have it steaming up. So dollar sign C-A-P-T-D-P-K. Our first question is from <laughs> Sister Brianna. Go ahead. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum salam. So my question is, what advice would you have for the men that have um, gone through emotional turmoil? And are kind of holding on to the past or that heartbreak, X, Y, Z. Well, sister, I don't know no man has not been some victim of trauma. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad had introduced to us 
Dynetics. It is really the closest thing that I know where we can go and dig with some of the trauma of our past. When we the teachings and the training, we remove that trauma. You replace trauma with something positive. We're not saying to forget the past. We're not saying to forget the past. But how could we move forward unless we know what kept us back? We have to deal with it, since I totally agree. I totally agree. Extending to our class, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said this, and Ben will bear witness in our study guide. We have to above our emotions and get into the thinking of God. We all got baggage, sister. We, we really, really do. We really, really. But just give him to us. Give him a minute. Turn him over to us. I promise you, I promise you. Give us a minute, Winnie. Yeah, can't get it together. That's what I have to say about that, sister. Yes, sir. Thank you. And for those who haven't raised their hand, listen, we, we have a brother who has traveled with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. He's seen the minister off the, the rostrum. He's traveled all over the country, all over the world with the minister. So there's much wisdom in him. So I know y'all trying to be modest or whatever, but if you've been having a question, this is a man who has had direct access to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan. So don't be afraid to ask your questions. Brother brother Ahil, go ahead. Assalamualaikum, family. Assalamualaikum, Salaam. All right, God bless. Uh, one thing that, dear brother Dennis Muhammad, you spoke in that I, that I wholeheartedly believe in is uh the the rite of passage. You know, what I'm saying that's something that I have been speaking on and preaching or passionately talking about to my peers and elders and youngers is that we don't have an institution like that for our youth, like the so-called Jews have when they have um their ceremonies for whenever a boy transitioned to a man i forgot what the bar mitzvahs or something like that you know what i'm saying how even how hispanics have a quinceanera for for the females you know what i'm saying but as far as us in our culture we don't have anything like that for for us you know what That's i'm saying right. and, and uh i want to and to veggie back on what sister brie was talking on i feel like she was in my brain because i i am that person that she was speaking on and um, that revert back into traumatizing situations in my childhood that hindered my growth as a man growing up now. So that's that's the transition I'm in present time is reverting back into my childhood and reattaching certain emotions to certain things I experienced as a child that hindered my growth as a man. So I appreciate dear sister for uh, for good sister for for mentioning that comment because I feel like Allah put that on her heart to speak to me directly. Brother, brother, uh, here, did you have a question for, for brother Captain Dennis? Uh, how will we go? What, what would be the best method for us to go about creating uh, a rite of passage? Well, it all depends what city you in, my dear brother, because I'm going to ask brother Ben, who's doing such a fantastic job. He has a thousand, he has the goal of a hundred guests in 30 days. He's doing real good. I met 
one of the beautiful guests, his name was TT. And I had a little conversation. I'm so excited about the people we bring. We have to find a little building or a place that we can meet in every city. I don't care if it's the library, a church, a barbershop, a corner of the barbershop. And we have to put the agenda together of the rites of passage. We have a rites of passage that we call FY training. But when it comes to the little ones, we need to have them sitting down. We need to teach them certain things of efficacy in an early age so they can know the spoon. And you need to do it early. We need to be able to create an environment where if we're going to make them athletes, that we want to make sure that we make them athletes with substance. We have to teach them about guns and gun violence. We have to teach them why the communities and the conditions and the responsibility that they have to have as a young man. We have to start somewhere, brother. And if you want to start it wherever you at, you got a building, you got a place, then we start right there. But whoever want to start it, I don't care if it's nothing but a bedroom, we have to start it somewhere. And I'll be happy to do everything I can to help with Ben to assist that we start that Simba training throughout the whole country. We got to get our babies, man, or we're going to lose them. We got to get them. We can't let social media raise our children no more. Yes, sir. Thank you. Next, we got Brother Ben. Uh, peace, uh, Captain D. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Can you give the history uh, behind the peacekeepers and, and, and also uh, are the peacekeepers still active today? Yes. The peacekeepers is about 15 years old. We started our first chapter, really was in Detroit. The second was in uh, St. Louis. I mean, not St. Louis, but New Orleans. We have 34 chapters now. The purpose of the peacekeepers when I started it, brother, I wanted an organization that was kind of somewhat independent of the nation of Islam. You know why? Because I realized, dear brother, man, everybody ain't going to be a Muslim. I, I, I come to that understanding. Everybody not going to join the nation. But why should we deprive them of our training? So couldn't we have an auxiliary FOI. So I call it the peacekeepers. And these are Christians, 98% of them are Christians. They're so excited because we're not saying you can't be a Christian, you can't be this. They just took with the depth to be a peacekeeper. We wear the color orange. And you see on the front, I am present for peace. That's our mantra. What is I am? I am is God. That's all we say. I am God. God is present for peace in me. It's easy for people to become peacekeepers than sometimes to join the nation of Islam. You know why? If I join the nation of Islam, I got to stop smoking. I join the nation, I got to stop drinking. I join the nation, I got to stop eating pork. I join the nation of Islam, I got to stop chasing white women. I join the nation, I got to stop chasing men and women. See? But when you become a peacekeeper, all we want is one hour a week of your time. But 
peace. Get the point out where you not drinking, smoking, and acting the fool. In the Bible, Brother Ben, Jesus' disciples fell asleep on him. And Jesus walked up on them. He looked at them. He said, could you not tarry with me for one hour? Mm. That's all we want. I was sick out of the whole week. Just give us 60 minutes. And this 60 minutes have done wonders. So 60 minutes, we got people of different faith, different religion. We'll meet on the corner, sometimes 25, sometimes 30, sometimes 10. They got their shirt on. And they hollering, what's up, he's keep up. And he talking to the people in the community. And for one hour, one hour, there was no shooting, looting, or tooting. And that peacekeeper for one hour could go home. And when they turn on the six o'clock news and they hear you shooting on the east side, you know what that peacekeeper said? Wasn't no shooting on the south side where we at. And they feel good. Because there's no greater deterrent the violence in the presence of peace. One hour, brother. We got 30 chapters. We have a chapter in London, England. We have a chapter in Trinidad. We have a chapter in Tobago. Our recent chapter is Flint, Michigan, and our next and, and, and Saginaw. Now, the people of the DOJ. People are now beginning to watch the peacekeepers and they want to fund us now. Ain't that something? We never took no money. The greatest funders was Russell Simmons, Fat Joe. We went to our celebrity. They funded the peacekeepers. Now the government said, this is good stuff here. We can get our grants. Well, you know, we, you know, we are mission driven. We're not money driven. I ain't going to say we're going to turn it down. But the damn show put us in a position to hire many of our people to put one hour power and get paid for being on that corner. Right now in New York City, we have a judge that's looking to release one of our Muslim sons into our custody under our program so that he don't want to have to incarcerate him. We have to have programs that would give the devil some opportunity to say, you know what? If you join the peacekeepers, I'm not going to send you away. That's what we had. And be very proud of the peacekeepers. Our website is www.thepeacekeepers.org. www.thepeacekeepers.org. And you'll see the whole history of the peacekeepers. Yes, sir. Next question we're going to go to Brother Eugene. Yes, sir, brothers. Uh, Assalamu alaikum. I'm present for peace. Uh, my question, my my question for brother Captain is, and for, let me first slow down. I got to thank both you and brother Ben for y'all consistency and y'all love and desire to uplift our people. I must say that. But my question for brother Captain, you know, here in Brooklyn, New York, we have a peacekeepers cap chapter as well. We, um, I want to know, and I want you to. Um, let the people know, why do we as peacekeepers choose to use the proactive measures over the reactive measures in reference to the work that we do? Thank you very much. Assalamu alaikum. Well, brother, I'm glad you asked that question. 
Brother Tahir is one of our top men. He's the director over the Peacekeepers in New York City. You're doing a fantastic job, Brother Tahir. Soon as my, my help will permit me, I'm coming to New York to help raise another 100 to 200 peacekeepers. Uh, our poor Mary in such trouble now with the immigrants. I just want to turn all the immigrants into peacekeepers. I, I see resources. <laughs> I don't see a problem. I see resources. Can you imagine if we turn all those immigrants into peacekeepers? Oh, anyway, I ain't going to put my, my game plan out there. But nevertheless, brother, yes, we are proactive and not reactive. I've always took a proactive stand because we got to stop having prayer vigils. Every time there's a shooting here, we react. No. To be proactive is to be able to establish something that's longevity that we can use and utilize down the road. So no, our model is proactive, not reactive. Thank you for asking that question. Yes, sir. Brother Daniel 6X. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? We can hear you. Thank you very much. I'm looking to both of you great brothers. My question was in regards, uh, their brother Dennis, in regards to what can the sisters do? Because 75% of the work is with them. And the role of the brother as the first teacher and nurse is very, very important. So I was just wondering, what could you share from the Honorable Minister of Farrakhan in regards to the sister's role because some of this trauma took place in the womb. So what would you share to give the sisters hope in their dissatisfaction and disappointment wherein they could be more of a help to a brother that's trying to be resurrected as opposed to a hindrance? <laughs> well, brother... We don't have to do nothing with our sisters. They on it. You don't have to worry about their role. Once we do our role, watch how they come out of that. Watch, watch. We're only reacting to us, brother. When we get ourselves together as men, watch them. Don't worry about them. Forget about the woman. You just be a man. Let us be men. Let us take care of our responsibility to our children. She'll come out of that hardness. Trust me, she's only that way because we made her that way. She plays the role with the peacekeepers. She couldn't do what she was doing with the peacekeepers if she was in the mosque. So the sisters are on the street with us as peacekeepers. They're they not out late at night, they're with us. Because women can relate to women. We have the sisters peacekeepers when they walk with the men. In the neighborhood for that, they got a big old thing of candy. The little kids run up to, how you doing, sister? How you doing? Come on, be a piece. Here, little man, get your little candy. How women want the kind of training that will give them the grooming to make them a woman worthy for us. They want it. So the MGT, they got a job too. But you got to step out the house of God to get them. And the MGT in Flint, Michigan, they got a little room. They got sisterhood training. It ain't the nation of Islam, but the sisters that do not members of the nation of Islam. 
And man, them lost found sisters, they've been taught adequacy, they've been taught grooming, they've been taught how to take care of themselves. We have to attempt to uphill road, brothers. That's our job, is to civilize our people. So a lot got them. We need to just stay away from them. We contaminate our sisters with our perverted view. Going up in the strip club, all on porn, and then you want to approach the sister with that sick mindset. Leave our women alone. God got her. You just be a man. If you be a man, she's going to be all right. Trust me. Trust me. That's what I got to say about that. Yes, sir. I, I actually want to share something from the minister on that question, if y'all don't mind going to the minister real quick. Check this out. And nature has put in you a demand. And nature has put in us a demand on you. Your demand has to be met before our demand from you can be met. The Quran, in the fourth chapter, the first verse says, keep your duty to Allah as it ought to be kept. Allah who created you from a single essence and he created your mate of the same. And he put in you a demand that you make on each other. Your nature demands something from a man. And a man's nature demands something from you. You cannot expect the woman to give you what you demand. If you, in the first place, don't give her what her nature demands. Her nature demands a man to maintain. To uplift, to help, to guide, to be a provider for and a protector of. That's her nature. That's right. And what you get from her in return for being a man is what God put in every woman. The <laughs> consolation, the care, the love that makes a man willing to go out and work the field or fight the enemy to come back home, to be loved, to be nurtured again by the brilliant mind of a woman that was not just created for pleasure, but she's your second self. And in her is the same thing that's in you from God. You know I had a clip for you, Captain D. You know I'm going back here. Man, I got the clip for you. And that was a good one there, brother. Yes, sir. That was a good one. That was a hey. I mean, he brought it. He brought it. I mean, it. I mean, there's no question, brother. He, I mean, he's the leader, brother. Can I say? <laughs> he's the leader. Um, the minister made it very clear that if we do what we're supposed to do, then God would do what he has to do with her. And it's, it's a relationship. The Quran talks about the relationship between the heaven and the earth. Why do we refer in the 5% nation the woman to be the earth? Huh? And why do we refer the heaven as man? The word, brother Ben, husband, 
the word being husband come from the root word husbandman. Well, what is a husbandman? The word husband means keeper of the garden and one who toils his soil. God has given us a woman. We got to keep that garden now. Oh, but you got to toil that soil. You can't be sitting there talking to your woman one day and she talking tomatoes and you say, my, my, my. I ain't put no tomatoes in that woman. But she talking tomatoes. What she said to you, Ben, somebody been planting your God. We have to be keepers of the garden, brothers. Lord knows we have to toil that soil. Any more questions, Ben? Yes, sir. We got a next question by Brother Jimmy X. Captain Dennis. It's my little young brother. Yes, sir. Captain Dennis, I wanted to ask you, what what can we do to further strive to get our peers as, as young FOI and young MGT who feel that we're teaching against having fun in our youth and partying and things like that? How can we further bring them toward the teachings of Donovan Elijah Muhammad? Brother Jimmy, I'm so proud of you. Sometimes it's better to show them than to tell them. We're dealing with a generation of our elders that some don't want to admit that we have made grave mistakes as it relates to our children. And some want to atone. But Brother Benny, you have a heavy burden on you and your generation. Because Brother Benny, Allah put it on you. You have the responsibility, Brother Benny. Brother Jimmy, I'm sorry, Brother Jimmy. <laughs> to bring into a fruition Allah's kingdom. Oh, it's a hard job, but you've got so many seniors behind you. There's no way you can make a mistake. We made a mistake. We can help you. Don't worry about mom. Don't worry about dad. Just be the good Muslim that you are. Be good to them, brother Jimmy. They'll come along eventually. Just be the good brother that you are. Try to just be a good brother. And Allah will bless you with your beautiful self. You're a good brother. Just continue to be good to your parents, be good to other people. Don't try to force them in their age to accept Islam. Just be thankful to Allah that they respect your Islam. And afterwards, downtime, Allah will find a way to open up their hearts as he did my parents. You just be continue to be that good brother Jimmy that I know. I miss you, brother Jimmy. Just keep doing what you're doing. My 
good brother. Yes, sir. Yes. Y'all don't forget to support brother Captain Dennis on via cash app dollar sign C A P T D P K. Let's show him some love, family. Uh, next question is from brother Dion X. Yes, sir. Assalamu alaikum, brother Captain. Hey, what legs down, brother D? Man, love you much, brother. Love more. Uh, definitely wanted to say that. And actually, that young brother that just asked the question, it was similar to the question I was going to ask. So that's a wonderful question that he asked. But I appreciate you being on, brother. I appreciate you staying on us as men in regards to our responsibility to our wives and women. Uh, very powerful, brother. I love your spirit. You know, you emanate the spirit of the minister by Allah's grace. And just wonderful, brother. Uh, the question that I asked that kind of coincides with the young brother's question is those of us that striving in the ranks and by Allah's grace have a desire to see the nation go to the next level. What advice do you have from being a captain, dealing with the men uh, and being with the minister? What advice do you have for those that are desirous as men to bring the nation to the next level? Well, let me say that, D. Yes, sir. God put you as a steward over the soldiers. I cannot lie as if politics is not in our nation. We drive the men sometimes more in pushing the papers than we do bringing out the dead. I have a problem with that. But that's, 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 that's something that's been going on for years, even when I was a regional captain. You have to have a vision, brother captain. You, you're the leader of the men. There's a book by Attila Dahan called The Leadership of Attila Dahan. Look what he says. Never put on a man a position that he never has the desire to fulfill. Never put a man in a position that he never has the desire to fulfill. You could put a man who was a laborer, was a secretary, as a captain, but he ain't got no, he ain't got no desire. He ain't got no desire to fulfill that. You know, he ain't got no desire to fulfill that. And, and, and we got to be very clear. We got to be very clear. But you know, excuse me, man, I can't move. I got to get this thing off, man. Let's see how I get him off. But anyway. Well, anyway. So we have to, we have to, dear brother, make sure that any one of us who take on this work as a labor that you have the desire to fulfill it. So if you desire to fulfill the role of a captain, then what is the role of the captain? The lesson says is to give orders to the lieutenant. Well, what is the role of the lieutenant? To teach and train the private soldier. You as a commander is the visionary by which you want your troops to go. Do you want your troops to starve? 
Do you want your truth to be successful? Don't nobody dictate to you the man under your charge because you live with them. You have to do what is the best interest of the man that's under you for you going to be charged with that responsibility. Not because what somebody else thinks. So God gives you a vision, brother captain. What is your vision? You have to have a vision, brother captain. The Holy Quran says man will soon see the end by which he strive for. Mm. And surely man was soon as he was strive for that end. Now the Quran also says the end we strive for is God. If God is not at the end of that strive, then what are you striving for? You are the commander. Them your troops. I remember this story. If you allow me to tell this story, I'm a, I'm a military man. If y'all don't mind, brother Ben, give me okay. Can I tell this one story, Ben? Yes, sir, go ahead. Can I get? All right. There's a movie that's called The Red Thin Line. The Thin Red Line. I'm sorry. It's old military story. Story. Old military story. I love it. Nick Nody was a commander. And this was during the Japanese war. And Nick Nody told one of his captains, I need you to take your platoon up and take that hill. So that young captain, he took his platoon up to take the hill. But those Japanese were so dug in that hill. As soon as they went up on that hill, man, them Japanese was mowing their soldiers down. And man, those Japanese mowed them down so many, he had his men pinned to the hill. They was pinned to the hill. They couldn't do nothing. They was dying. Nick Nody called up there and said, listen, man, Captain Starks, did you take that hill? No, sir. He said, what you mean, no, sir? He said, no, sir, we're not going to take the hill because it jeopardized the lives. I have to disobey that order because it jeopardized the lives of my men. He said, what? I'm sorry, sir. I have to disobey that order because it jeopardized the lives of my men. Nick Nody said, wait a minute, partner. I'm on my way up there. When Nick Nody got up there, he had a hard-nosed lieutenant with him. Hard-nosed lieutenant. These men pinned and bullets flying everywhere. That ain't bothering Nick Nody. So Nick Nody says to my man, now say that again, sir. I'm not going to obey that order because it jeopardized the lives of man. He said, I don't want to hear that Harvard bullshit. <laughs> he said, look here. They flying there. He said, put that shirt on. Put the helmet on. Bullets flying everywhere. And Nick Nolly said, I need five men who's willing to take that hill. Five men raised their hand, but it was really seven. And he told that seven, 
go and take that hill. Those seven men, they took that daggone hill. And once they got the hill, Nick Nolley was talking to Captain Stocks. He said, let me talk to you. He said, Captain, how many men were you willing to sacrifice to take that hill? And before the captain opened up his mouth, he said, no, no, I'm going to tell you. You were not willing to sacrifice not one man. And he looked at the captain. He said, let me tell you something. These men swore an oath to the United States of America that they would give their life to protect this country on foreign or domestic soil. He said, who are you, Captain Starks, to stand in the way of that man's commitment? Now, I told that story to the Honorable Minister Farrakhan on a road trip. I want y'all to listen to me. I'm in the bus with the Honorable Minister Farrakhan, right? And the minister was saying to us how he had maneuvered us all these years without none of us losing our lives. And that he was going to do everything with his power that we don't die. And I told the minister that story. And at the end of me telling the minister that story, I said to the minister, Allah's my witness now. I'm not, I'm not lying. I said, brother minister, we get up in the morning and we say our prayer, brother minister. And we say we sacrifice our life and our death is all for Allah. I said, we don't say our life and our death is all for you, brother minister. For Elijah Muhammad, brother minister. We say it's all for Allah. So, brother minister, how can you stand in the way of my commitment? Of giving my life to my God. And the minister dropped his head in tears. So I said, let us loose, brother minister. Because that's what we're born to do. And the minister appreciated that. And I'm saying that to you, my brother captain. These men swore in the morning that we give our life. So what? Some of us got to die. That's part of life itself. The minister is the only man that I've known in military history that have led troops and not lose one troop. Man, that's God. But that don't mean we ain't gonna die now. Because when the minister depart, it's gonna be on and popping. And oh yeah, some of us got to die, brother. But that's okay. We say we sacrifice our life, not death. It's all for our love. That's what we say. So, brother Captain D, lead the troops.
I'm in the community to protect our elderly. Don't be afraid. The few men that you can control your neighborhood. Don't be happy to see the brothers out there. You know, about the paper, just patrol the neighborhood for one hour. Make the people feel safe. That's my advice. You know, I'm sorry, I'm a little long winded with that. I hope I answered your question, my dear brother. Yes, sir. Praise be to Allah. Love you, brother. Love you too. Yes, yes sir. sir. Last two questions, family, as we close out. We're going to end off with Brother Shakur and then Brother Young Khan Adan. Go ahead, Brother Shakur. Assalamu alaikum, Captain. Brother. It's been a long time. I can tell you had military training, me being in the Marine, FOI, going through that training. I know a man speak when I hear, I know a real man when I hear a real man speak. Because yes. I've been through the training, right? And that's why it almost brings tears to my eyes to hear about your help. Because it's almost, it's, it's man, I remember uh, one of the few uh Navy SEALs that the Force Recon worked with. And David Goggins talks about it in his book, and it reminds me of you. And this is you, when Heraclitus, a philosopher born in the Persian Empire back in the 5th uh, B, uh, century BC, he had it right when he wrote this quote about men on the battlefield. He said, one out of every 100 men, he wrote, 10 shouldn't even be there. He said, 80 are just targets. Brother, brother Shakur, your audio, you got You got a minute. So at that little timer that's up there, you got to ask the question. But we're going we're going to open you back up for your question. But everybody had that minute, that minute to ask. But go ahead. We're going to unmute you for your question. You should. It's on your computer. Try to hit the unmute button. So I'm asking you to unmute now. Hit the unmute. There you go. Yeah. OK. And he say, he say, but that one, that one is the real, is the real warrior. And that reminds me of you. So as I, you know, I've had jujitsu training, Muay Baran training before they changed the, the Muay Thai training fighters in combat, you know, and all those things. The thing that I have is most, most men that I'm, I'm training, not really, not ready to go to extra level. So the brothers that I do know that will go through that physical and mental training, that's the given the aptitude when you talked about, you know, supreme mathematics. I heard you talking about it and the supreme alphabet just to do an assessment of what the vocabulary is like and their ability to be able to comprehend when I go into these high levels of training. Are they able to comprehend? Are they able to sustain and push themselves mentally? So knowing your background, what advice can you give me to not only just to have patience, but to continue to have love because you know when you training at that level, it's to weed out the weak and keep the strong. Salam alaikum. Well, let me say this. Oh man, I'm so excited to see you. You're looking all buff, brother. I used to look <laughs> like that once a time. No, that, that's training every day, sir. Training every day. Uh, let me say this. I want you to go and open up if you got a dojo. And let all the women in the community come in your dojo. I mean, they don't have to join, but make your dojo available where you teach community self-defense. Teach our women how to defend themselves. It ain't got to be no kicks. Just teach them holds and breaks and 
how to put a person in a chicken wing, take them out of chicken wing. There's something about when you train to know how to defend yourself, it gives you a confidence. They need that confidence. And then take the men and don't charge them and let us have a community. You do this as your volunteer. If you say once a week for one hour, the doors is open to get your training. Just come naturally. Don't put a lot of strain or exercise them because some of them help. Just a couple rotate and then get to the business. Pair them up. Pair them up. Get you a couple other ukis uh, uh, to pair them up. And then give them a good hour and they're going to feel good. And they're going to go home and practice. Yes, And what you just did, you have secured some of our people. Take what God has given you, brother, and utilize it to train our people. And then once you train them, then when they go into the community, and of course, when they start seeing a devil act of fool, they can stand there now. The confidence. And they can say to the devil, get your hands on my brother. He can't get your hands off my brother. Don't grab that sister like that. Hey, back up. I'm telling you. So when the devil go to grab me, I told you. And we got to get a couple nicks. So what, man? Aren't you tired of punching dummies? Aren't you tired of breaking wood? Don't you want to like, know what it's like to actually break somebody up? <laughs> <laughs> You can't, you gotta go out the dojo. There's a lot of people need to be broken up, son. Yeah. That's all thank I would give. So, advice. thank you so much. Thank you so much. Salam alaikum. Love you to well, life, sir. Thank you. Praise be to Allah. And we're gonna end off with Brother Yankan Adan. Go ahead. Asalaam alaikum, Brother Captain. My brother. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Thank you for your service and your continued work that you've done on behalf of the Nation of Islam and raising black men. My question is a two part question. One, what was it that made you to know and believe that this is the truth for our people and that God is real? What was that moment, that light bulb moment for you that said this is it? And the second part of the question is, what is the single greatest piece of advice you ever got from the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan? Mm. We're going to end this well, thing off good. Well, when I knew that this is the greatest thing that I ever had in my life was because I escaped two death experiences that only God could have got me out of. I knew that it was not a coincidence. And of course, the last one was real. I died. That lets me know that Allah has the power over life and death. I'm convinced now. I'm more convinced than I ever in my whole Islamic life. I'm a 52 veteran. Been in names for 52 years. I am so thankful to Allah for that experience because I'm not the same. Convinced. My job, Brother Don, is to convince the others of my experience who may have gone through the experience themselves. There's two things in life for sure. 
two dates that you never ever forget, Brother Don. And you'll never forget the day you was born. And you never forget the day when you wake up and find the reason why you was born. Mm. I got two dates I would never, ever, ever, ever forget. I would never forget the day I was born, March the 8th, 1954. And I would never forget the day I died, April the 16th, 2023. I'll never forget those dates. And in me being resurrected, coming back to life, now I got a better understanding of my purpose. God didn't bring me back just to bring me back. He could have left me. I would have been just that. I thank him so much because I must be something special to him. And on the last question, the last thing the Honorable Minister Farrakhan said to me that I thought was awesome. Me and Mustafa, we drove up to the farm and I, I was sitting in the car. And of course, Mustafa threw the leader these out in the car. So the minister tapped it again. It was early in the morning. I got out the car, I went up in the farm and the minister was sitting there, he just had breakfast, he had his nice robe on and Mother Khadija was there. It was a nice little family out in Josh. And he said, Brother Dennis, he said, everything of your life has prepared you for this great moment. Now, I want, I want to be honest with you, brothers. I have a problem with praise. So as he was talking to me, I'm looking at Mustafa standing there, Josh standing there. And I did not want the minister to make more hope to do on me than his own son. So I was kind of like trying to block it out, right? But I was listening, but I was more concerned about who was taking it. And the words that he gave me, dear brother, was, pray to Allah, brother Dennis, for discernment. I didn't even know how to spell discernment. Let's know what it meant. <laughs> he said that to me. Pray to Allah, Brother Dennis, for discernment. When I left him, I immediately went to look up the word discernment. And do you know, dear brothers, ever since the minister have told me that, I have used it to decide right from wrong, good from evil. Which, what I should get involved with, what I shouldn't get involved with, to be able to distinguish God from Satan. That was the greatest advice that he gave me. Oh, and one more, one more, one more, one more. I'm sorry, one more. I was dealing with a situation in the UK. And I was telling the minister about some of the things that were said about me that was not true. And it bothered me. The minister's words was to me, and this is good for you too, Ben. He said, brother, 
Do not give attention to that that does not exist. It took a while for me to really understand what he said. What he said then is, a lie don't exist. If someone lie on you, don't give attention to it because it don't exist. Truth exists. A lie don't. And man, when he told me that, wow, I was out running there, partner. So I'm saying to all of you who have been lied on, character assassinated, do what the leader said to me. Don't give attention to that that does not exist. Forward ever, Muslims, backwards never. Thank you, Brother Ben. Praise be to Allah. Thank you. Captain Dennis, man, let's all give him a virtual black hand, a virtual man, all the stuff that we can give him, man. We thank you for your time. Uh, we peaked at, I think, 157 or something like that today. Uh, so I thank all of you all for, for inviting people on and bringing people on. Let's make sure 176 today. Okay. Make sure that y'all support Captain D by cash app, dollar sign C-A-P-T. D-P-K, C-A-P-T, D-P-K. I want to let you guys know tomorrow we will still be having a power call to make up part three of the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan belief in Allah. So we will be on tomorrow, God willing, at 8 a.m. Central Time, the same Zoom link and the same passcode. Once again, thank you, Captain D, for tuning in, and we are going to be out. Assalamu alaikum, family. And you all have a blacktastic day. Peace. Thank you. Is Brother Ben here? Brother Ben. Now, Ben got a heck of a program. A lot of people listening to Brother Ben. And Ben tells them about the minister and Ben tells them about the minister